I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. And in this podcast, we chat about the win against Preston, the defeat against Leeds and look ahead to Ipswich. This is the Board Breakdown podcast and this is why Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Support Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. So a mixed bag of results then uh, for the week before a final win against Preston, the 3-2 defeat against Leeds. He's going to 12th place in the championship table, three points off the playoff places. Uh, then it was goals galore this week. Some good, some bad. Uh, but what was your one key takeout from the week? Yeah, I think my key takeout from the week really is an extension of the thought from last week that Borough are every bit a typical championship side. We have our deficiencies in our performances, which result in inconsistencies in our results. And to be honest, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. I think sometimes fans can get a little bit lost trying to chase the successes. And of course, you know, we all want Borough to be successful. We all want us to you know, achieve promotion, for example. But for me, it's about the journey and how we get there. You know, I'm, I'm a big sucker for a journey. I like to be pulled into just feeling every range of emotion from frustration and, and elation. And I think in a way we almost fast-tracked our development last season. I don't think anybody expected it to be as good as it was. Like, I personally didn't even expect Borough to be good, never mind as good as we were. So I actually probably expected us to be a little bit like how we are now. So in a way, I think what we're seeing from Borough at present is about right. A growing team that are in equal measure, good and bad. Um, so I'm just going to enjoy the ride and see where it takes us, really. Okay, and then Tom, what, what are you going to go for for the week? I mean, my takeout was how do we improve our defensive performances away? Because it seems like that's just a bit of a downfall for us. Obviously, midweek, that game against Preston, I thought, you know, great, we've managed to come away with a lot of goals, clean sheets. And I mean, I felt like I was getting a bit kind of too down after the Bristol City game last week. When you looked at it, it was only, what, a couple of losses within the last 10 games or something like that. As a team, we're doing pretty well. I didn't want to kind of get too down on that. But then yesterday, there was just bits of it where I'm just like, can we just sort this out? Because this is so frustrating to watch. Like, I'm all for kind of like our entertaining and attacking play and, and stuff like that. But... As I said quite a few podcasts ago, like I'd rather see like a, a solid team win one or two nil rather than have a game like that where it was very much like a basketball game and I feel like I've only just calmed down but come away with a three two loss and be like, right, we've we've gotten off and as entertainers as that might have been for a neutral, we've still gotten off and so it's not something I can be particularly happy about. Yeah. Um I was gonna say I'm quite the opposite. I think Tom I'm, I'm a bit of an entertainment kind of guy. Like, are you not entertained from the week? That's kind of the the question. You know, I think we we were, I think it's been a a bizarre, amazing like ten of events. Really. I think yesterday we kind of gave it away a little bit too much, but we'll come at that in a, in a moment. But overall, I think going forward, I think we've just proved we can, you know, we can test all the, the best defenses in this league and, and come out on top for most of it. So, or at least unlock them to some extent, and that kind of shows um, 
especially against Leeds yesterday, because you know statistically probably the best defense in the in the championship. And you know we we played them a little bit the wrong game on that transition, and we were able to create plenty of chances. And you know I think it's just a shame we didn't uh, get something from it. But the Preston game, you know we. Were, were brilliant even though the crowd was incredibly flat uh, I think everyone was just really cold and shivering together because it felt like it was about minus 10 at, at the Riverside but we'll talk about the Preston game first then because it was a, it was a back-to-back 4-0 wins against Preston at the Riverside so it's completely different sides of course for us but still the same end result and Dan what was your assessment uh, of that game against Preston because it was a, a a very odd 4-0 win in my opinion. Yeah you know when football people people involved in the game and and fans myself included say that oh it's going to be a tough game they kind of say it off the cuff because they expect it to be a tough game that's case in point midweek that not every game is tough because it was piss easy let's be honest Borough players won't come out and say that obviously so I will Preston barely laid a glove on us I looked at their highlights just before we started recording on Sky Sports and one of their highlights is literally Morgan Rogers clearing the ball out for a corner from a ball into the box and so I think that epitomizes it really they were absolutely terrible they were set up with the wing back system which funnily enough they changed for the visit of QPR the following game which they probably rightly should have because we were exploiting that space in behind the wing back so frequently and I looked at some of their play and their attempted defending and it was so there was such a a softness to them you know that they were quite easy to get at throughout the night and I think we got a lot of joy through those flanks Jones in particular obviously scoring too and their application Preston's application was terrible so as much as I want the focus to be on Borough from a you know 4-0 defeat I think really you, you do have to spotlight how bad Preston were and in the end I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't come to the sword and, and add more to the score line because I felt like they were really there for the taking but I appreciate that Borough wouldn't want to overexert themselves because they simply don't need to and with the injuries that we're racking up at the moment I think it was probably good to to just take our foot off the, the gas a little bit because you know, we're 3-0 up at half-time. There's no need to go for the jugular and, and try to add to the scoreline as much as I really wanted that to, to be the case. So all in all, really good way to bounce back from Bristol City. But my God, Preston were terrible. And in the Ryan Law in-out, in-out, shake it all about, I think they're firmly in Ryan Law out at the moment, Preston fans. Although that will probably change next week. You never know. Yeah, football is is strange like that. I don't know. You know, they might win five 0 next week. Um, but to be honest, I can't see them creating a single thing. Um, but Tom, they had an XG of not point one eight, which was probably one of the lowest we've seen at the Riverside. It was actually low at the end of the game. At one point, it was at not point not nine. So obviously, a lot more changed it since. Um, obviously, we looked at the different stats and the ball started to populate up. But at the time, they, they didn't look like they were going to create anything. So was it a case of Borough were just really good on the night, or was it just a case of Preston were just really really bad uh i would say probably the latter i'd probably wait about 75 percent preston being bad and then 25 percent us being really good <laughs> going into that game seeing the starting lineup and and like fry and hackney dropping out i was i was a little bit wary because obviously i know where preston were in the league i don't know where they are now but um going into that one that they, they had been towards the top of the league for quite a while i was like oh, i don't know if this is gonna be a, a difficult one for us now that we've had those those changes in our team. But in hindsight, if there was ever a game that you'd want to kind of build your players' confidence up, that was it. Uh, and I feel, think you could see that confidence growing through uh, throughout the game. Uh, you know, in Barlasa, in Van Guren, uh, Van Den Berg playing centre back, like thought was immense. Morgan Rogers, I, I think, just before the uh, the assist for the third goal, like. People were going on about the assist on Twitter and saying, oh, lovely like little dink into the box for Jones. That wasn't the part that impressed me most. The part that impressed me most was about 10 seconds earlier because the ball had ricocheted up into the air. He just watched it all the way down, took a perfect first touch and turned around and you know <laughs> continued the play on from there. I was like, that first touch looks so effortless. Like It made me forget about the rest of the move. I was just like, that was so good. So you could see, obviously, the, uh, the confidence building in the players and... Uh, I think they even took that into yesterday based on on some of the play. Probably not a good thing at times, but um, like I say, we we played well to create the goals and and built a lot of confidence from that game, I would say. 
Yeah, and you know, it was a, it was a really interesting game for me as well. When we were watching it uh, on on the Tuesday, and you know, I was shivering. I was next, I was next to Matt, and we were just we were talking about the game in general, and we were just like, I'd like to see a bit Preston open up a little bit more. Uh, because they felt like the, at the first like fifteen minutes they were quite they were letting Mills replay a little bit, and you know when they had the ball as well, Borough being a bit respective as well, respectful as well, and just letting them play, let understand, getting a feel for each other. You know, if you want to associate with like a, a fight, you kind of said those early rounds. You know, you getting getting a feel for each other, understand what they're trying to do, and then about the sixteenth to the thirtieth minute where we look at the game and that's where Mills was scored the three goals. It was like a big big shift in in the game, especially around where Preston were playing because. They started to create a lot of long balls where every time Borough went forward, it was a clearance long ball, try to reset, or would get the press back and, and, and they would try and play through. And it was really interesting for me because the most, uh, when they had actually had possession, Preston, they weren't doing anything with it. They were trying to get the ball up. And then what would happen is as they were trying to to get forward, they would try to be expansive in this 3-4-2-1. Uh, and then since the ball was coming back so quickly, they weren't able to get back into shape. So Borough were able just to pick them off, essentially. And when we did pick them off, it was three goals straight away. And then after that, their pressing figures just fall off a cliff where go from like a standard eight to 11 passes per sequence, really. So before someone makes an exception to like 45, so they just let Mosler play for the rest of the half with possession, play in a shape and try and keep things compact. And then they did go into that 4-2-3-1 in the second half as well. But, for me, I think it was just a their own doing, really. If, you know, if you're trying to look after the ball a little bit better, don't try and hit the ball long and try and find at least a bit of like combination play to get yourself forward because they didn't really. Just kicking the ball long, giving it back to Borough all the time, not being able to get out of your own shape or getting out of shape and not being able to get back in was probably the key factor in that first half and probably the main reason why Borough won the game because we're so good on that transition period and that we are a transition team and it I said on on an all stats army that the podcast with, with the Leeds fans and just saying like the game probably yesterday was a transition game. Borough are probably the best on that transition as well. And I mean that's what happens, you know, when you, you leave a lot of space, you don't get back into shape and you let Borough get you on the transition and you know two job done really on it. But in terms of the game as well, like obviously there's always key standouts of course as I Jones got uh, got a couple. Alex Bangura was scored as well, which was lovely to see. But who were your key standouts guys? Because there was some really good performances uh, on the day. Tom, who would uh, be your, your key standout during the game? I said this after after right straight after the game on Tuesday as well. I'm going with uh, Vandenberg. I thought he was absolutely outstanding at centre back. You know, even though I kind of like said it jokingly on the last pod that he'd probably score against Preston because his brother played there, <laughs> I, I really didn't expect that. I don't, I don't think he expected it either from the way that that goal went in. I thought in terms of his, his centre back player's position, it was really good. Aerial battles were were good. I think there were a couple of times where he he looked to be just getting out muscled a little bit. I mean, he, he recovered well and got back into position to to stop any attacks, but that's maybe an area where I'd like to see him improve there, but I can't be that harsh on him for his first game, like properly at, in his favoured position, kind of being thrown in there with the uh, the injury of Fry. So yeah, I, I thought it was a really real standout performance from him. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing him play there more because I think it, if there's one positive from this injury crisis it's that Vandenberg's been moved back into his favoured position and also it's forcing Matt Clark to be able to play and I really really rate Matt Clark as well so hopefully he's just wrapped in cotton wool for the duration of December because can't cope with him getting injured again yeah, I don't think he can cop getting injured again either. And I'll, I'll come to him in just a moment, Tom, and I'll come back to you on, on that one. But Dana, who are your key standouts? And also, Rav Vandenberg as well. Centre-back first time since since Huddersfield, I think. It was it was back into his favourite position, so it'd be good to hear how he coped as well. Can I just say that I predicted that a centre-half would score before the game? And I also said that Leeds had win 3-2 yesterday. So Nostradamus is back. I predicted the future. But... Yeah, I think Rav Vandenberg looked really composed and really confident. It's a kind of intangible thought, really. There's nothing to necessarily measure it. But every time he stepped out, he just looked very commanding of the situation that presented itself to him. And let's be honest, he wasn't tested that much. But when he did step out, get onto the ball, intercept, I thought he was very, very astute with it. He's clearly a competent defender and a very good uh, prospect for us. I will say that I uh, I enjoyed sorry, uh, Morgan Rogers' performance as well. Not everything comes off for Rogers, and I could appreciate that that's because he's raw and he's a young player that 
is learning as he plays. But I think he's very intelligent in the positions that he picks up. Like sometimes his touch is off, but you can never criticize his IQ, I think, on the pitch. You know, he picks up really good pockets of space. He plays between the lines. He makes himself available. He could drop deep when needed. And then when it comes off that trait of his where he takes the ball and then he turns and he drives, I absolutely love that from Morgan Rogers. Something that I want to see from him more often. And something that I really thought would be important in the game yesterday against Leeds, which we didn't quite see enough. But I am really enjoying Rogers and adding to Tom's point about the injury crisis, given the fact that, I mean, we are seemingly hitting a really bad period in, in regards to unavailability. It presents an opportunity for the likes of Rogers as well and players that have previously been more impact players so hopefully we can see more of him but yeah Rogers and Vandenberg and shout out to Jones as well because in the pod last game I criticised his balls into the box didn't need balls into the box in that game he just needs to put them in the back of the net and I was really really hoping he would score that hat trick that third chance and it uh, unfortunate for him that he didn't but massive well done to Jones for getting that brace the first in his career I think certainly yeah, for more anywhere yeah, and, and definitely I think we're obviously going to call it the present place in just a little bit later on, but I thought he was he was really good. Jones, I also quite like Boris' rotation up top uh, on, on Tuesday where you would see Rogers, Latilaf and, and Jones um, all rotate in that top striker spot as well. So it was really, really good. Um, but overall, a really good display. And there was just a nice moment as well towards the end where Lon McCabe uh, made his debut. Um, obviously, I looked at uh, Sean Wilson's tweet and he said he was the 990th Borough player uh, to play for Borough. And also, he was born after the UEFA Cup final. So what a way to make you, <laughs> the listener, I'm breaking the fourth wall here feel really really <laughs> old but let's move on um and again breaking the fourth wall again probably the majority of our listeners this week will be Leeds fans so hello Leeds fans uh this is your moment <laughs> in the show uh where we will talk about your win against us yesterday at Ellen Road and it was 3-2 and Borough's search for victory uh, Alan Road goes on us still clutching on to that Marvin Emner's goal uh, from uh, from 2011 I think it was where we won that day so um, it was a, a bit of a basketball game uh, we predicted it as well in, in our uh, Opposition show uh, with all stats, aren't we? And it was a really, really good show to get some insight on Leeds. But what was your overall assessment of it? Because I mean, you're saying you've just caught your breath, so I'm assuming it's going to be a breathtaking game. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, it was very much a basketball game. It was extremely end-to-end. <clears throat> the first half, I was thinking, there's no way they'll be able to kind of keep this up. And then they somehow did for, for parts of the second half as well. Um, I, it, it did go to show kind of just how good Leeds are. But at the same time, we coming out of that game, I, I was reading a lot on Twitter from Leeds fans who were kind of saying like they're the best team who've come well in road this season, um, like so good playing out from the back and 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 stuff like that. So it's encouraging to hear from from kind of like rival fans as well after the game that that's what they thought of Borough. Because I mean that's probably the one positive I can I can take from it. Because like I said earlier, I don't like those games where. Um, it's 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 like that. It's so open, and although it's entertaining, we come away with nothing because I just I can't allow myself to like that. <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd rather it was like a one 0 away win. But um, yeah, hearing that from from the rival fans about our style of play, especially when looking over the last maybe twelve games or so, it does feel like it's starting to click a little bit. Like the the summer signings are, are, are really kind of starting to to get integrated into the team. Yeah, it's uh, that that's probably the like I said the main positive. It's good to hear that. Yeah, and and, and uh, what are your thoughts as well? Um, I'm keen to get, bring you in here as well because just mainly because it was just such a whirlwind of a game as well. And obviously, Tom's saying there, like it's nice to hear. Um, opposition fans here for a play really well. I'm assuming you'd echo that maybe. And yeah, let's let's hear your thoughts. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, firstly, it was just a really enjoyable game to watch. I know that Tom is conditioned to the Karanka era of 1-0 victories, but I'm with you, Johnny. I've, I've watched some turgid, turgid football over my time supporting this football club. So I know that we lost and we'd all prefer to be on the, the right end of a 3-2 basketball game, but I enjoyed the way that the game panned out to be honest it it was one that you really couldn't take your eyes off absolutely chaotic hence the title of this podcast and you know we as you said on the opposition preview it was a game on big on quick transitions and there was never really much control in that first half there was never really a peak well there was a, a few 
quiet periods. But on the whole, it was one of those games that was just full of action, full of points of no. I will say in the end, Carrick mentioned this and Dan Balassa mentioned this as well post-match, that in a way, it didn't feel like we were a million miles away from getting something from that game. Now, I disagree with both of them in when they said that we could have won it because I do think you have to highlight the chances that Leeds spurned. I mean, I was looking at the XG after the game and it was at one point the highest XG that Borough have conceded under Michael Carrick, but now it's updated to 3.1. So the highest XG that Borough have conceded under Michael Carrick was the Brighton game, obviously, in the Cup last season, 3.32. Then it's Bristol City away from last season, the 2-2 draw 3.18. And then yesterday it was 3.1. So we did give away chances. It wasn't a selection, like a a small selection of big chances. It was actually an accumulation of quite a few. They had quite a few shots in that game, Leeds. Um, So it, it was a difficult game for us in terms of defending, but we did get opportunities ourselves. And so I think that's probably the positive but as we've said in recent games, we just chose poorly in moments and shot ourselves in the foot. And we really need to scratch that off. What we do in games, we need to really improve that and refine that because if we don't, we're just going to see deja vu. It's going to be groundhog day every game where we're going to concede goals where they really they are avoidable. So it was an entertaining game. Not too overly emotional afterwards because I appreciate that it was a really fine spectacle. It was just unfortunate that we came out of it on the back end of, uh, you know, the the wrong result in our yeah. opinion because we all want to see Borough win, don't we? Yeah, and look, I didn't think we were too far away. I think we definitely shot ourselves in the foot uh, in the early stages, and we we let Leeds come back into the game, and you know they you're they're a really good side going forward, and the in terms of that transition, I'll come on to in just a moment. It's where they create the big bulk of the chances, and for me, I was really entertained yesterday. The big picture is that we're not a million miles off, and we have a big big injury list. And what I do like is that every player that comes in can play the system that Carrick wants to play and they can just drag and drop someone in uh, like a football manager save and they'll be fine and they can adapt and, and they can play the system we want to play. And for me, I am entertained by this Borough side. I think yesterday did show that the best of, of Borough and some elements. That first goal that we score is brilliant in terms of how we broke the press, played how I created the space, all the principles that we speak about in terms of carrot ball. And then Emmanuel Lailaf scores a, a really, really good finish and epitomises that Lailaf scores the hard ones, misses the easy <laughs> ones. Um, I'll come on to him in just a moment. But yeah, for, for Leeds as well, the more open we let the game go, the better it is for Leeds. And, mm-hmm. you know, and but it's also the same for us. The more open a game is, we'll create a lot of chances as well. And, Tom, we do take the lead in, in that really early stage and you think, okay, we've got a good foothold in now. We can maybe try and, you know, build on it. But four minutes later, we're 2-1 down. <laughs> so um, are you disappointed in the way that we, we let Leeds come back into the game so quickly? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, just to kind of go back to something you've just said, that was possibly one of the worst uh, things that you could ever see in Football Manager. That it's like you score one, and then there's like, oh, there's a highlight a minute later. There's another highlight. Oh, yeah, it's it's two one leads now. Yeah, I've, I think going back to what I said earlier about the the confidence thing, I feel like that definitely played a part in the first goal, uh, the first leads goal. Sorry. Probably us scoring early didn't help with like the uh, the confidence getting inflated as well. But like you look at how that first goal was caused, and it's like Dan Barlasser trying to pass it to Crooks out of the box rather than just clearing it. And I'm like, you've got to be really confident to attempt that pass. And unfortunately, it didn't pay off, and you've given the ball away, and now it's a goal. He possibly even more disappointed with the second one, considering we're letting the five foot six Dan James out jump there and you know get a header into the head, header into the back of the net from the back post. Like who would have thought like who would have seen that coming? But um, yeah, the fact that it all happened so quickly it is uh, is really disappointing, especially because we got off to possibly the best start we could possibly hope for. I would say as well with I think it was the second one with that. Was it was it the second one where there was the deflection up and it like looped up into the air and onto the onto uh, thing he said? Second one was the Somerville one, wasn't it, where Paddy McNair had like kind of got yeah. something on it and then it yeah went to yeah. I, I might maybe got them the other way around. There I was half asleep yesterday after me uh, worked <laughs> Christmas party on Friday, but um, 
yeah, the it was it seemed a bit unlucky to to concede like that when it's kind of like looped off the first defender and straight onto the Leeds attacker's head. But yeah, all, overall, quite disappointing to to let a lead slip after you know getting it in within three minutes and then four minutes later we're we're losing. Like, how often are you ever going to see that happen? Yeah, and it would kind of epitomise the game. It could have been anything towards the, the end of it. It could have been a 5-5 five, five yesterday, I think, if they were kept going the same same level. But then, obviously, the, Tom alluded to it there, but that equaliser and the, the goals were conceded. It was just a case, again, Borough just, just overplaying in, in two dangerous moments, you know? Like, do you think we should be should start to like just get rid of it and maybe start again? I don't think we should completely abandon the way that we play because, as we saw with the first goal, it works and when it works it's absolutely fantastic I just think there's naivety in our decision making like why Dan Barlasser is quite nonchalantly chipping it out to crooks I do feel like in those situations he just needs to choose a better pass and it's the same with Dieng uh, his clearance for the third goal needed to get more elevation on it it's fine deciding to go longer than you usually do because I don't think there was much choice from him there I don't think he could have gone short because we were being pressed but just pick better passes that's why I think it does boil down to that naivety and maybe casualness in certain situations but we'll never learn if we don't practice and the thing is with that first goalie equaliser from Dan James I mean it's ridiculous that a five foot six player can out jump two Borough centre-halves as it was sandwiches himself in between them but we actually are inside the Leeds box about five seconds prior to them really accelerating on the counter-attack so if anything sums up that game it's that goal how quickly it went from Borough a little one-two between Latilath and Morgan Rogers, which was really unfortunate that it didn't come off because it was a good piece of play and then it swings to the other side of the pitch where Leeds on the attack. I mean, it's it was a really crap goal to concede because they had about three bites of it. And then we had the opportunity to clear it and we just didn't. So I think poor decision-making was ultimately our downfall in that game, which is ridiculous, but it's just a part of Borough's core DNA at the moment from what we're seeing. And we need to be better in those situations in our distribution from the back. Yeah, I think on the system side of things as well. I don't on paper. I don't think our system is massively flawed. I think it's just sometimes it's the application, which is mm. the, the the main human error is massive in football, right? You know, the, I mean, they're not robots, and it happens. Uh, also, when you're two one down as well, and you think, right, okay, can we try and get back into the game? And we slowly start to to worm our way back into it. Um, of course, we've gone from another set piece, so now we are known as the set piece specialist <laughs> in the division with two and two. Um, but Tom, three goals conceded in the last three games. So obviously, the last three we conceded now um, away from home. It's just a case of like same old borough defensively. Like, how would you look to try and resolve that that uh, amount of goals being conceded? So the, the thing is, for me, I wouldn't even say yesterday was same old borough. I'd probably treat that as a bit of an outlier, even though it's like the the same amount of goals as the previous two games. I just thought Leeds were that good in terms of pressing high and making it difficult for us to get out of our own box. And then that comes back to what Dana said about the the naivety of like trying to play out from the back in that situation. I think you just need to pick your moments. In like if Dan Barlasser had just cleared that out for a throw in, then that takes a bit of tempo out of the game. Likely doesn't end up in the goal the way it did. And you know, same same kind of thing with the um the bit of play for the the third goal. If Dieng maybe just boots that out of play for a throw-in. Again, takes the tempo out of the game and it's not coming straight back and you're not like causing Matt Clark, who has been on the pitch for about 30 seconds, to have to make that decision to try and make a tackle and end up giving away a, a penalty. But the fact that they were always pressing and always closing in, any time we seemed to get that clear, it seemed to just be going back to Leeds and then it would start again. So I, I wouldn't say that was the same with Bristol or Plymouth. So I, I couldn't really say same old Borough defensively because I think those two games were quite different to this one. That said, we do need to be a bit more sensible defensively at times. And like I've just said there, picky moments to play out from, from the back. We're probably going to want to do that about 95% of the time. But if you're being pressed in your own penalty area and there's no pass on, just get it out, um, and and you know slow the game out, so, uh, slow the game down if you have to, because it's better to do that and 
you know, not play out from the back than still try it and concede a goal. Yeah, I think sometimes I'm not, I'm not playing out from the back. If there's nothing on, then just use just utilize a channel. You know what I mean? Just try and get the ball out wide and just see how you can try and take the stay out of the game for that side of things. But in terms of like the press and how teams can try and break you down when you play out from the back, it's a high risk strategy for both teams, really. You know, I think if whoever wins that battle will have a big advantage going forward, and you'll see Mills would do that. And you talk about these, like, it's kind of like a fake transition, really, isn't it? Now, really, when you try and play through that whole press and you, you make it in a transition game. But that game yesterday, as Cammy alluded to at the start, was it's very much like being in both teams' hands. I think going forward, we you could tell yesterday that both teams were the we're probably the most potent teams in the division, you know, Borough, I think, higher than, than Leeds in terms of, like, top two for the biggest chance to create, I think, 44-44 yesterday. And when the game isn't stretched as well, I thought that we were well, probably a little bit more safer and probably more didn't look like we were going to concede as much. Um, I think when we when you watch Leeds, I think if you could probably watch them over a period of time, I don't think they create many chances when a team is sitting in a bit deeper and just trying to make things a little bit different. They probably probably and probably do rely massively on a team being expansive so they can occupy the space and get you on the counter because they've got the speed. They've got all the attributes that you need to become really dangerous and, and lethal on the counter-attack. And that's kind of how we let them play in those early stages. But both teams did it, and you know you could have easily made a case in that end of that first half that it could have been three all, or Borough could have been ahead. Um, you know, with like last chances, there was some way he could have probably had four in that first half. And you're like, I'll come at him just a moment. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Then when we look at like the other side of the, the game, instead of talking about the defense going forward, you know, when we look at Leeds as well, they've got the third best defense in the division. They have the, the best expected goals against. Um, so like statistically, they are probably the most efficient defensive unit in the division. Um, being unlucky in cases, Bora have been massively unlucky uh, in terms of the underlying numbers. Um, but the statistics are there to kind of say they've got probably enough and it balances out eventually. But it does show, though, doesn't it, that Borough have, with all the injuries that we have as well and, and the players that we have out, the squad not being 100%, it shows that we've got the capability to unlock top team defences and it bodes well for the future, right? It does, yeah. It it makes me as a fan know that we're on the right track and that our game plan does work. What we don't have, though, is the balance. And that's obviously something that Carrick needs to try to amend. But then I just like how good we are at creating chances. And I don't necessarily think we've got the conviction at the end of it. 
like we did last season and looking ahead to next month in January, I do think we need a striker just to be able to add that extra little bit of quality up front to probably even it out when it comes to actually performing those underlying numbers. So, yeah, it shows that we we are on the right tracks in terms of going forward. It's obviously you always have to look behind, don't you, when it comes to the, the positives because what is behind us is the very naive, unfortunate at times, but also quite sloppy defending. But I like the fact that we can create chances because, as I said, I've watched some turgid Borough teams that really struggle to. So I'll never, ever take that for granted. And I, and I don't think it should ever be downplayed, shall I say, because... I think it's very good to have a Middlesbrough team that can put the ball into the back of the net because we've had many over the years that can't do that. So I appreciate that. I just hope that we do start to develop a little bit more of a balance. And to be fair, we did have that at a point not that long ago where we registered, what was it, three clean sheets in a row and were really, really unlucky not to make it fall with that Jonathan Rowe goal, which I think had an XG of 0.01 or something absolutely ridiculous <laughs> like that. It was probably one of the most unlikely goals that we that we've conceded this season so yeah we're on the right tracks we are definitely going upwards it's just little tweaks here and there little refinements can we plug the holes defensively I don't think structurally there's anything wrong it's just that little individual mistakes are really proving costly for us so yeah thumbs up to the the attack but thumbs down to the defence <laughs> Yes, with my cast, I can only do thumbs up. Um, so it's great. Um, but Tom, we, we talk about going forward as well. And, you know, Emmanuel Latte-Laff um, has been playing the last couple of games, got his fifth and sixth goal of the season. So it puts him now at a goal every 160 minutes in all competitions. At the end of the season, if he was at the same level, he would end on 21 goals. He would probably need about 104 chances to maybe do that. But um, <laughs> he's on that trajectory. So do you think he's actually starting to find his feet now in a bullshit? I hope so. I feel like after yesterday, like three minutes in, I was thinking, well, he listened to me call him anonymous in the, the last podcast and really took that personally. <laughs> but... Yeah, it was it was a really good goal for the the first one. Disappointing to see him miss a couple of chances before the second, including like a, a free header, which arguably was the. In fact, no, it's not even arguably. It was the easier one to score, mm. and then he still scores off off the corner. So yeah, I mean, hopefully that is get, kind of give him the bit of the boost that that he needed. I mean, he was looking good yesterday when he was when he was on the ball and he was making runs in behind. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can keep it up in future games. Interested to see what that stat looks like in a couple of the games' time. Yeah. Like, you know, once uh, once he's, he's played a couple more 90 minutes, because I've got to appreciate that comes on against Cardiff and scored a goal. I'm interested to see kind of like what he does over a full game rather than coming on as an impact sub and scoring. But um, hopefully he can kind of keep that sort of record up and, and continue scoring, hopefully starting next week against Ipswich. I'll continue yeah. next week in tip switch. Yeah, and I think with uh with Light Laugh as well, like he's come to a different country, his English isn't amazing just yet, but his ability to kind of read the play and understand different instructions of, of how he wants how character wants him to play, for me is getting better. It's getting better and better. And I think it's gonna take a little bit longer, I think, to really settle in. But what I do like the difference from last year is that everyone is contracted for a couple of seasons, and everyone's slowly starting to click now, so it's only going to get better, and I feel like Lattie Laugh will get better. Uh, I'm enjoying him at the moment. His, his runs in behind are superb, and I just, like I was saying, probably the, when we were doing our um, our insight shows, it was that if you give him more than one decision to make, that he'll make the, probably the wrong one, uh, and I do see that quite a lot, but you know, I think his ability, you know, his striking ability can just be refined a bit more and just not panic as much. I think he just needs to relax in certain areas, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to complain. I feel like to score six goals in all competitions for just moving over uh, the country and he's got a, so long, a long way to go. I think he's doing just fine. Uh, like I laugh and I hope he can continue that, but I do think we need another centre forward in, in the January window. But in terms of injuries and suspensions now, Dana, there was a... We talk a lot about game state in this podcast and key moments. And, you know, the second half was quite quiet. Both teams were slowly starting to worm the way into it, into it again and trying to find the feet. But we're creating half chance to solve the leads. Then Anthony Dykesdale, uh, big Anth, you know, he's um, 
he's got a second yellow and now he's suspended. And then just a moment later, Isaiah Jones got suspended as well with his uh, yellow card uh, for, the, for the next game. So do you actually think it was a, it was a, a worthy red card, two yellows, of course? You know, he, he did give the referee a decision to make. I thought it was a pretty silly challenge at the time, but... Well, you can't complain with the <clears throat> with the second one. I think the first one, I just don't think that's a foul on Somerville. I think he he buys that one. I mean, I looked at the replay during the game. I haven't seen a replay since, but I don't know if Anthony Dyke still even touches him. And you can see with Anthony's uh, reaction to that first yellow card that it's kind of, he's puzzled. It, you know, he's, he's puzzled that he's even being called back for a foul there so firstly I don't think the first one's a yellow card but the second one is and as you said there you're giving the referee a decision to make and I think he's got to be smarter in those situations but he was being absolutely cocked by Somerville let's be honest he was really really struggling all game against him and to be honest it was coming and it came the second one came as, as a result of him being rather clumsy bringing the ball out which is something that I've noticed with Dyke still quite frequently over the years that I think he is an intelligent defender albeit not in that situation but on the whole he is a more intelligent defender his recoveries are really good but when it comes to bringing the ball out he's very very clumsy and I think I said it on our telegram chat that he's playing football like he's drunk and I also thought that against Preston as well where sometimes his touch is a bit off and I don't know what it is really with Dyke Steele but in that situation yeah very very poor decision a poor tackle rightly got that second yellow but in my opinion the first one wasn't one so yeah we've got a, an issue at right back now I think we might end up seeing Johnny House in there because who else can play there obviously Tom yesterday as I Jones got suspended as well I think that was a little bit silly too for him to obviously it was a bit of frustration in the end I think yeah I would say so I mean it, it's a it's frustrating to see as well considering after the Preston game, he was interviewed on BBC season. They asked him about that and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just concentrating on not getting a yellow card. And then he <laughs> ends up getting a yellow card. It was also a little bit annoying there because I'm, I'm agreeing completely with Dana that the first Dyke Sale one wasn't a yellow card. And I was thinking yesterday, the referee was absolutely loving the sound of his own whistle and getting his cards out. Because <laughs> for both teams, there were yellow cards that were nowhere near yellow cards. I thought he had a horrendous game. But it's it's obviously left us in a, in a situation now, and it's a shame that um, that Jones kind of lost the concentration that he was talking about on Tuesday, and and end up getting himself booked. On yeah. the on the red card, by the way, is it just very Middlesbrough versus Leeds for someone to get sent off? I feel like it's happened a few times over the years, that and Sunderland. But yeah, if there was a Middlesbrough Leeds starter pack, it would be a red card, like someone getting sent off, and then. Lots of goals and lots of incident, and that game had it all really. So yeah, not surprised in the end. To be honest, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving Dyke still a little bit less crap for his performance, but I think he probably would have got sent off either way because he just had a really, really torrid afternoon up against Somerville. So the first one, I don't think is a yellow card, but I probably think that he would still get sent off anyway after that second one if that was the first one. So yeah. Really tough afternoon for him, unfortunately, and Borough are royally screwed over in that right back position now. Yeah, definitely. I'll come in a second, but I think like Matt Clark obviously came in yesterday as well um, for, for Perry McNair, who got injured. I actually thought uh, Matt Clark played really well yesterday in, t- in terms of the circumstances that he was in as well, and you know, still coming back to full fitness after all for the over a year out. I thought he looked quite good and looked quite calm. And I was actually about to write a tweet <laughs> when he came on. I had like a tweet, you know, and you'll have a look at it. Obviously, people can't see it. But I had two draft tweets ready to go saying, let's go, Matt Clark. And I thought, and then my second tweet was like a link tweet saying, I feel like Matt Clark's going to do really well here because like he's balanced <laughs> and he will create up from play up from the back, which oh. for the majority of the game, the the balance was good. And I thought he played quite well, but obviously the 30 seconds later, we, we give away a penalty. Well, but the, the, some, go on. Someone in our Telegram chat was like, well, he can't do any worse than Paddy McNair. And then within 30 seconds, he drags uh, Rutter down yeah. and then concedes a penalty. Well, he doesn't drag him down. He does grab at him, which was a bit yeah. meh. But yeah. I don't really think you could complain, really. 
Yeah, and just on that as well, like obviously in our in our chat as well, I actually said McNair's killing me, and then thirty seconds later he went down with back injury, and I was like, oh no, I've killed him. Um, I've just I've just absolutely malt cursed him. But this injury graphic, uh, Dana. Um, so if we're looking at Borough's defensively now, it's injury suspensions. We've got all the ten, probably yeah, I think just ten yeah, players 10, out now. Ten out. Ten, yeah. ten players out now. So who are you starting against Ipswich? Because defensively it looks horrendous i remember the start of the season we were like who's going to play a left back and then we have three yes um how <laughs> things have turned how things have really turned uh, mm. on, on that one who are you going to start then and tom i'm going to ask you the same question as well so get your 11 ready um but yeah who, 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 who do you play i think you've got to play house in there really haven't you because he's played there before mind you someone could miraculously come back like dill fry could miraculously come back and then vandenberg shifts out to the right although Carrick did say that they're a little bit off, both uh, Fry and, and Hackney. I mean, you mentioned there the left back. It's so funny because, yeah, I do, I do remember we only had Coulson as our left back and now we've got three of them. So the growth there at, at left back, but it's really difficult when you look at Borough's squad. It's been tested massively. But this is a big opportunity for players to step up like Matt Clark. God bless his back because obviously he has been out with a significant back injury for a significant period of time and he's lacking Matt sharpness. So I'd like to hope that people lay off Matt Clark a little bit um, with his rustiness. But yeah, that that right back position looks terrible, doesn't it? We only have Vandenberg that is a fit and available option, but he's playing centre back. So I think for me, it probably is Housen that plays there because the other one is Jones, but obviously he's he's out suspended. So yeah, it's it's tough at the moment, isn't it? It, it feels like they're just hitting us where it hurts in every part of our squad at the moment. So it's unfortunate. I've said unfortunate so many times this podcast but i mean the injuries are absolutely unfortunate can't catch a break really there can we that's unfortunate yeah. <laughs> uh, tom who are, we, who are you gonna go for then what, what what are you thinking uh vandenberg right back and then clark and woodgate at center back <laughs> <laughs> hey tom you played center back once in that charity match why don't you get yourself in there and shift vandenberg out back to oh, right back twice you know what i've i've, I've had what 90 minutes and no, 80 minutes and 60 minutes as a centre-back at the Riverside. I can do that. Yeah, there you go. Bring your boots. Bring your boots on Saturday, yeah, Tom. You'll be sound. Yeah, I mean... One of the match. 5-10-5-11, but I can go Mark Bowler and say I'm 6-1 as a centre-back. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we're we're going to be struggling. I think we'll see Housen at right-back, and then you've got to hope that maybe Hackney's back to play centre-mids. Otherwise, we're going to be left with the Rotherham connection of Crooks and Barlasa in centre-midfield. I'm not entirely convinced that Crooks playing that type of uh, box-to-box midfielder and hitting people on the half-turn and, and, and getting away from them, being able to get a play out from the back. But really, who else is there? Uh, also, yeah. in the press conferences, Carrick said McGree's not far off, like a couple of weeks maybe. So maybe it'll be like a... CM Punk style surprise return to the start in eleven on on Saturday and everyone will be buzzing. So yeah, maybe, maybe we're going to do that and then shift Rogers into number ten and you know Silvera on the right. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting lineup against Ipswich. Definitely. And look, it could even see Alex Gilbert or Alex Gilbert uh, going <laughs> to that. He has played there, of course. He, he is an eight uh, and can play in that ten uh, that ten role as well. So. For me, you know, you know, if you're gonna give him a chance and let him go full Gilbert, then uh, you got you got to give him a go. He does look every time I've seen Alex Gilbert, he looks he looks a tidy football, but I just haven't seen the enough amount of minutes to really have an opinion on him just yet. But you never know, throw him at the deep end, see what happens. But anyway, speaking of deep ends, uh, let's go to the present place now. Ah, yes, the praise and place. The only place I'd like to give praise to a player, coach and staff member. Um, Dana's can't actually can't even see the, the board breakdown award above you, but I'll give it to your jumper. What a sad little Christmas jumper uh, that is, Jane. And, and also uh, <laughs> to Tom's haircut, by the way. I mentioned this yesterday when I seen Tom. And Graham's done a fantastic job there, mate. You know, shout out to Graham for that one. But who is in uh, your praise and place this week, guys? Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go Dieng again. I know that obviously he made that distribution error that led to the attack that resulted in the penalty. He just needed to get a little bit more elevation on it, didn't he? But he did keep us in that game and he was the reason why there's a, a slight 
maybe post-match thought of, oh, we could have got something from that game. Because if it, if it wasn't for Dieng, we would absolutely not have been in that contest at all. So credit to Dieng, really good to have a goalkeeper that saves shots. Who would have thought it? A goalkeeper that is actually good at his job that Millsborough Football Club have employed. Um, and then I'm also going to actually praise Dan Bartlasser. And again, I know that he made the the distribution error that led to the, the attack that led to the, the first goal. But I actually liked his reaction to that I think he recovered quite well it's easy in those situations when he probably put that on himself that goal he just continued to play out from the back and I actually thought he grew in confidence with it so although his performance wasn't 100% although he wasn't spectacular I do appreciate the fact that he kept at it he kept going and I think he grew in confidence because of that. So that's from the Leeds game and then from the Preston game, Vandenberg and, and Morgan Rogers and Isaiah Jones for, for getting that brace as well. Yeah, and just on Barlasa as well, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, he's always in space. His positional awareness is superb. Um, mm. And his and his, and his passing is really, really good as well. And I just really enjoy him. I just really enjoy him. I know some fans don't like it. And I know they prefer Hackney. And, and obviously Hackney's a fantastic footballer one deserves to be there. But I just really enjoy Barlasa. If there was a way, I think it was on BBC's, I think, they said, can we fit three in yeah. the midfield? I wouldn't mind it, you know. I think Balassa has played that ten role before, right? For Rotherham, I wouldn't play him uh, there. No, I wouldn't play him there. He's, he's more of he a deep line got... playmaker. Yeah, yes, he hasn't got the pace, has he? But his yeah. vision uh, plays really, really strong. Um, but Tom, who are you going to go for? Who's in your praise and place uh, this week? I'm going to do a slightly weird structure this week, and I'm going to go one praise and place for the Preston game and one for the Leeds game. So the one for the Preston game is Van Den Berg. As I said before, I just thought he was superb on on uh, Tuesday. Great to see him cap it off with a goal as well. It's not a metric for success from a centre back, but you know it's uh, it, it's good to see. And for yesterday, I'm going to go with Latte Laugh. Really good finish for the the first one and the second one. Like I say. Harder head at a score than the one he had earlier in the game, but he still managed it. But happy to see him get those two goals, especially after last week where I said you didn't even notice he was uh, he was on the pitch. Good to see that he's kind of starting to find his feet in the in the team and in the system now. And yeah, hope just hope for more next week. Yeah, and, and for me, uh, Dan, I think you'll enjoy this one, but I'm going to go on Matt Crooks. Uh, Matt Crooks in my present place this week. I feel like he's accumulated a position in my present place over time. I think that he's been really good this season. Uh, you know, I don't know, he gets he gets, he can get some stick, you know, but he just seems to pop up somewhere with an assist, uh, a goal. He's not the, technically the best player in the world, but I really enjoy him. He's just effective, and that's all football is. If you're effective, it works. Uh, effective and it works, then you're happy days. You know what I mean? I'm all for it. <laughs> so congratulations to the tree. And also, I'd put my Christmas tree up as well this week, so <laughs> it kind of felt on brand to, to do that. But let's move on now. Um, and It's a game called I Like to Play Trivia. Um, so obviously Bora <laughs> play Ipswich this week uh, at the Rosai. It's a massive game. I was speaking to Sam Marzi yesterday of, of all people and uh, he's very much looking forward to it and saying that I was saying, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, as well. So shout out to Sam Marzi because he's a great human being. But we'll go for the question this week, guys. Um, it is a, it's one where I feel like it could be a Difficult one to get in 30 seconds, but you know, you got to you gotta go for it these days. But the question <laughs> is, uh, can you name five players that played for both teams? I'm gonna caveat there is one where I didn't put him in uh, a list because you didn't see him play because it was like the 70s. Luongo. So oh. I, I mean if Luongo's time travel and he played in the 70s, <laughs> then go for it. Um that was before uh, you said 70s. Uh, so I didn't put him in, but there's another five which are more recent, and I think you'll probably get them. But anyway, uh, your time starts now. So for the five this week, it's a difficult one, of course. But if you're playing at home, you're in the car, walking the dog, cleaning the bathroom, or just 
doing whatever you do on a Sunday or a Monday, you can play along here. So, Tom, I'm going to go with you first this week. I'll let you go together as always. Can you name the five? Um, or, or can you name five? I've only managed four, uh, but I'm fairly confident. I've got Whitehead, Leadbitter, Dyer, and Morsing. Oh, I hate myself. Leadbitter. How did I forget Leadbitter? Sorry, Tom, can you just uh, show that again? So just uh, Dean Whitehead. Uh, um, hang on. It was Whitehead, Leadbitter, Dyer, and Morsing. So you've got Leadbitter and Dyer, and you've got Sam Morty as well. I didn't have Dean Whitehead on my list, but you've kind of just like triggered like a bit of doubt in my answers. Did he play um, for them? I felt like I, I felt like I don't think he played for them. I don't think he has as well. I'm thinking you're getting confused a little bit with uh, some some Huddersfield connection, but no, you didn't. I will have a quick analysis as well. I can confirm that it was uh, the blue team that you were thinking of was Huddersfield Town, just to confirm. Um, but anyway. Uh, Dana, who have you got as well? Um, so you've got Leb, you've got Dyer, we've got Leadbetter. Can you name anyone else? I'm absolutely creased, right? I've gone for Fraser Richardson. I've remembered Fraser Richardson, <laughs> but I have forgotten Grand Leadbetter. So I've got Marzi Coulson and Fraser Richardson because Coulson had a long spell with them like a season or two ago. But Fraser Richardson, man, how the hell did I remember that one? That's so niche. But yet, I can't remember Grant Ledbetter, who is quite possibly the best free transfer of all time when it comes to Millsborough Football Club. So that's annoyed me a little bit. But at least I've got that left field one there with Fraser Richardson, which is so very on brand for me. I Fraser Richardson, I'm just looking on Wikipedia here as well, it was only a seven-game loan spell from Borough to Ipswich. It was, yeah. <laughs> mm. See, so can... I did... So yeah, I didn't have Fraser Richardson on my list either. So you've you've done me in there a little bit. So you've got Ledbetter, you've got Dyer, you've got Morsey, you've got Colson, you've got Fraser Richardson. So that is five. So congratulations, Yay. you've won uh, for this week. However, there's a couple more players you could have picked. Tony Mowbray um, was the one I was thinking. Wow, this is the most given one you'll probably get. Um, and Jordan Rhodes as well played for Ipswich too. So there's one where you could. Um, I can't remember that happening. Oh, Ipswich second Ipswich. team doesn't work if it's Ipswich team. It could it could have <laughs> been, been his brother Jason Rhodes, so it could have been anyone um, you know, these days. Um, but let's move on now uh, to Ipswich, and I'm going to caveat here for the listeners that we're not going to go in depth this week. We're going to wait because we're going to have an opposition show later in the week and go into more insight and give you all the ins and outs and ups and downs of Ipswich this season. So I'm going to move straight on to predictions and they are the high flyers in the division Ipswich and they're playing superbly well under McKenna as well. So I'm going to just go straight to predictions this week. But Tom, what are you predicting against Ipswich? I feel like it would be typical Borough that we go and win that 1-0. We have like an absolute injury crisis plaguing us and, you know, Ipswich coming here on form. But, you know, we've already beaten Leicester and Southampton at home. We'll lose 3-2 away at Leeds and go and, Win and with a you know strung together team. By the way, I, I missed uh, Mr. Trick earlier. We could have had Carrick and and Barlasa in midfield next week if, if we were, <laughs> were getting Clark. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go one nil Borough just because I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Okay, and then for you, Dana, what are you gonna go for? I'm feeling that as well. You know, there's always a rather turgid one nil victory around the cold winter months. It's usually on the other side of the of the year, though. To be fair. Uh, I can't see them not scoring, though. That's the thing. I'm going to go 1-1. I think a a respectable 1-1, which would be a good point against them because they are absolutely flying. And McKenna is a a very, very good manager. So it's going to be interesting, the two former Manchester United interim managers there or Manchester United coaches. So there's that little narrative there. But I'm going to go 1-1. Yeah, and if you watch Ipswich in Middlesbrough, (laughs) I watched a bit on on Wisecout yesterday, both very, very similar teams. Very, very similar. I feel like this game, when we were speaking about the game uh, against Leeds, where it was focused on transitions, this game will be about transitions. So you're going to cancel each other out because it's very similar. Oh, it's going to be goals galore. So in that reason, I'm going to go 2-2 or 3-3. And I just think it's going to be chaos. But I think Sam Morsey is going to be on the score sheet. Um, told me to say that. But anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me. As always, listeners and the viewers, don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe because we're very close to 2,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube. And also a big thank you to everyone for letting us be on your Spotify wrapped as well because, you know, we had a lot yeah. of views in there as well. I think 2,500 of you were just under 2,500 of you were in our top 10 this year. So thank you very much uh, for putting us in there. But for right now, you know, Borough uh, scoring goals and conceding them. It's up and down. It's in and out. 
just embrace the chaos. Um, but for right now, enjoy it, Bora fans. Sleep tight. Can't wait for Ipswich on Saturday. Up the Bora breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.